Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. And we'd like to thank you once again for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We're going to be continuing today in our studies going through the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we are here in chapter number 4. We've been studying verse number 12, which says that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. So we've been looking at the issue of this practical information that the Apostle Paul has been laying out for the individuals in Thessalonica as they've been applying the doctrine that he's given them and you know the doctrine always has that impact on when a person is truly applying it to their life that they come to that understanding of what God's Word says and that it actually impacts the individual so that way they're doing the things that are pleasing unto God you know and so this is what the Apostle Paul is looking at with them when we spend some time on the aspect of looking at that idea of the walk that Paul's making a reference to and then we see here the end of this verse when it says in that ye may have lack of nothing so here we have Paul as he's laid out some things looking at the benefit of what should be happening towards other individuals and then saying that there's going to be an impact on those who are the members of the body of Christ as well. Let's turn over to Romans chapter number 5. And we're going to see here Paul make a statement here in the book of Romans about the aspect of what is an impact on the individual? We're going to read verses 6 through 8 of Romans chapter number 5, which says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. For us. So we see how the Apostle Paul is making this reference to the fact of that the Lord Jesus Christ, as he demonstrated love towards us, that that is what is the supposed to have the impact on our lives towards other individuals. And that's why we, we looked at a lot of that related to that idea of the walk that we are to have. And now we're going to see how, and that ye, so he's talking to these saints at Thessalonica and, is, and uses the word may to describe the thing of what is going to happen. When we look at that word may, you know, we need to have an understanding of why Paul is using that terminology. Because we know that the word may 
has the implication that it's not a guarantee that something is going to happen. In fact, let's look for a moment here at the definition of the word may. And we'll look at what Webster's 1828 Dictionary says is the definition of the word may. And it says, the first one here is to be possible. We say a thing may be or may not be. An event may happen, a thing may be done, if means are not wanting. The second one here, to have physical power to be able. Make the most of life you may. The third one here, to have moral power, to have liberty, leave, license, or permission. To be permitted, to be allowed. A man may do what the laws permit. He may do what is not against decency, propriety, or good manners. He may, we may not violate the laws or the rules of good breeding. I told the servant he might be absent. And a passage from Luke 16, which is used as an example here, where it says, Thou mayest be no longer steward. And the last definition here is, It is used in prayer and petitions to express desire. Oh, may we never experience the evils we dread. So also in expressions of goodwill. May you live happily and be a blessing to your country. It was formerly used for can, and its radical sense is the same. Maybe, it may be, are expressions equivalent to perhaps by chance, peradventure, that is, it is possible to be. So, we see from those definitions that it's talking about how it's going to be possible that the individual, as back in our text in First Thessalonians chapter number 4, where it says, I'm going to quickly go back to our text and reread our verse, which says that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. So the Apostle Paul bringing up is that it's a possibility, it's a desire that that would happen. And this is really what we see when we look at things in this dispensation and we see how there is not this guarantee of physical blessings that are going to happen for the members of the body of Christ because that is not our focus. That is not where any of the blessings that God has promised us are going to be. In fact, our blessings over in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 talks about how we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. There's no promise of any sort of physical blessing that's going to come upon an individual. But here we have the Apostle Paul speaking about how that it there may, as he says here, that ye may have lack of nothing. So looking at it from the aspect of, you know, what the hope would be is that there would be that thing of the individual having their needs met. And when you look at that comparison to what the 
law system here. Let's go back over to Deuteronomy chapter number 28. And I mentioned a minute ago that aspect of that under Israel's program there was the, the promise of those physical blessings that would occur. And when you start right at the first verse of chapter number 28, it says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shall thou be in the city, and blessed shall thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shall thou be when thou comest, and blessed shall thou be when thou goest out. And Moses continues on through verse number 14, laying out these blessings that would come upon them if they're, as it says in verse 2, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Now, in this same chapter, we have that direct contrast to where if you pick up in verse number 15 of the chapter, when it says, but it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shall thou be in the city, cursed shall thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind. And the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shall thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shall thou be when thou goest out. And Moses continues laying out. And when you compare the first 14 verses of the chapter with the second half of the chapter, you see how the exact same areas where Moses said that they would be blessed if they were hearkening unto God. Those are the same areas that they were going to receive the cursings from God. So this is the, when we talk about the performance-based system that Israel was under, this is that representation of the fact that it was very clear based on whether they were performing right or not, whether they were receiving the blessings or the cursings to the point where they could be looked at and was clear of where are you at? Are you doing the right thing or are you not doing the right thing? And over and over again, you have how Israel was continuously being warned of the fact that they were going to have to perform and do rites and receive those physical blessings and being told that if they failed, that if they did 
the wrong things in the eyes of God that they would receive the cursings that would come upon they would receive you know here's the punishment and the chastisement that's going to come upon you you can go over for example to Leviticus chapter number 26 which you know you can put this chapter in Leviticus 26 together to kind of show Israel's history you know Leviticus Leviticus 26 very clearly lays out and there's the cycles of judgment that come upon the nation as they were progressively doing the wrong things and failing to follow what God had laid out for them that here's all these problems that you're going to have to where they would be able to look at and say, okay, this is going on right now. So we know based on our history exactly where we are and you know, what we need to do to try to get right in the eyes of God. And when you really look at Israel's history and what they did, it's very clear that the nation never was able to follow God's instructions for the long periods of time. In fact, you see how, for example, the book of Judges, how the book actually closes, you know, and the book of Judges does not close on, you know, a very good note. You know, the very last verse of the book, Judges chapter 21, verse 25, when it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So they weren't doing right in the eyes of God. They were doing right in their own eyes. And what you see is, you know, really just for Israel, it's just essentially failure after failure after failure. And even when you have, you know, the supposed, you know, good individuals, the Bible points out where their failures actually were and how there's consequences that came about with them related to their failures. You can look, for example, let's turn over to the book of 1 Kings. We'll go to 1 Kings chapter number 11. And we're going to look at the example of Solomon here related to the nation of Israel. We're going to look at Solomon because, you know, earlier on in 1 Kings you have that Solomon asks for wisdom. He wants to be wiser than any individual, you know, with the idea that it would allow him to be able to follow what God wanted him to do. God, you know, gives him that and then showers the physical blessings upon him because that's not what he asked for, but he saw the goodness in his heart. But we see towards the end of Solomon's reign, what happens with him? 
And we're going to pick up right here in verse number 1 of First Kings chapter number 11, which says, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon, and likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incest and sacrificed unto their gods. Now it's an interesting statement that you see, you know, twice it makes a reference to the fact that, you know, his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. And when you think about David, you can think about the failures that he had. When, you know, you look at the whole incident with David and Bathsheba and, you know, how he went against the things that God commanded. But the one thing he never did was he never went away from his worship of God, which is what Solomon is doing here. And you see how... As it continues on in here, that God you know, proclaims a judgment upon Solomon as a result of his failure here. Verse 9, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in the days I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son for David, my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. And the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon, Hadad the Edomite, for he was of the king's seed in Edom. And then it continues on talking about you know, how Solomon goes from a thing of where there was peace in the kingdom to now there is going to be these wars and battles happening as a result of this failure to follow. But you see how the true consequence of this is the 
division of the kingdom. And this is where you have the split between the ten northern tribes and the two southern tribes. And how the result of that was the fact that the ten northern tribes, you know, they didn't follow what God was doing. In fact, they even set up false worship centers knowing that, well, the people are going to have to go to Jerusalem because that's where the feasts are supposed to be celebrated. If they keep going down there, they're eventually going to want to rejoin together. So they set up two other false worship areas to say, well, go here instead of going to Jerusalem. So the ten northern tribes never went along with what God's program was. The two southern tribes, they did for periods of time. You would see how, okay, you know, you know, one king would be okay, and then the next, so many of them would be struggling to follow what God had laid out for them to do. And even the good kings, what you see is that there's a failure for them to, for the most part, remove the false worship areas. The only one who makes an attempt with that is Josiah, which, you know, the result of that is that God delays the southern tribes from going into captivity because of Josiah's desire to... And by the time he even gets to Josiah, the two southern tribes were so far removed from what God's word says that when they found a copy of the law that they read and they didn't even realize what they were supposed to be. They were rending their clothes. Josiah's going to God to beg for forgiveness because the thing of that they didn't realize that they were in the wrong and God shows them mercy with it. But all of these things, and when we talk about thing of for Israel... There always was that hope for them of having the physical blessings because it was a show that they were doing the right things. That's why you see how when the Apostle Paul talks about the nation of Israel in in the book of 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, when he says in verse 22, "...for the Jews require a sign..." And the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Jews were always looking at the thing of, you know, looking for the signs. Looking for the physical evidence that God was doing something. You know, even back in the book of Exodus, when they're standing on the edge of the Red Sea, that Moses saying, stand still and see your salvation. That... They're looking for those signs. When the Lord Jesus Christ was ministering in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you had individuals following him strictly because they were seeing the signs and want, you know, essentially in a way of, you know, almost wanting to see like, 
okay, what when's the next you know in their mind when's the next magic trick and show going to happen rather than wanting to follow the clear teaching of the word of God, they're just looking for the next show and sign to actually be occurring. And their failures would lead to the fact that they would not have those physical blessings and that they would have a lack of things as a result of that in their dispensation. Now, we're going to pick up next week looking at the aspect of you know the blessings for us today and how when Paul's saying that idea that you may have lack of nothing what is it that he's actually meaning with this for the members of the body of Christ today now as we close here I'd like to remind everyone of our website which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org and on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have some audio messages from you know, past messages. We have information about how to you know, watch our services live as they're broadcast on Facebook. You know, Ways for you to contact us if you have any questions. We would love to hear from each and every one of you if you have questions or comments about things on our website or things in our broadcast. And until next time, keep fighting that good fight of faith preaching this message to this lost and dying world.